are back. It is the Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills here with you today. Might be with you tomorrow, might be with you Wednesday. That is up in the air to be determined. At Benzy Kenny on Twitter for updates along those lines. Grant, I have bad news. Oh? I think we led the 11 o'clock hour, speaking of uh, the weather and things along those lines. The Wisconsin mm-hmm. football team, whether the offense can work outside. I was Still unsure of that. Severely mistaken. I thought today was Tuesday. They don't practice Did you today. Really? Yep. I thought they practiced today. They practice on Tuesday. So that would make some sense as to why we have not gotten any updates from our man on the ground, Zach Kyoprin. So is today a recording day? I saw you put out a camp. Every day is a recording day. He's he's doing six days a week, six episodes oh. a week. A lot of practice reaction. I would urge Badger fans to check that stuff out. And obviously, Kenny and Heilprin coming up tomorrow and on Thursday, 6 to 7, after the esteemed Wisco Sports Show from 4 to 6. So that's all coming up. 877-867-1670. We can take your calls on the Bucks' loss level of concern. Thoughts from the game. I am hearing a, a large sentiment grant of, yeah, uh, and we just heard John from Atlanta last hour mention this it wasn't perfect but some of the Chris Middleton signs are somewhat positive after a couple weeks off and that's something like when you ask okay what from yesterday's game Bucks heat feels like a trend or feels like something that will continue I think we would agree the shooting of the heat likely won't although it could for another game it doesn't feel long term the very poor shooting of the Bucks likely won't, specifically from beyond the arc. It feels like Middleton's performance will. The question to me, the thing I come back to, is how does how do the Bucks defend? If Giannis isn't yeah. there, if he is there, how do they defend? How effective are they on that end? Because that could be the difference. So we could talk about the defense in a couple different veins. The way they defended Adebayo, I thought, was fine. They forced him to take mid-range jumpers, floaters, he did not hit them early. He did hit them late. They kept him away from the rim. They didn't foul him for the most part. I'm okay with that. You live with what you get from Bam. I didn't like the way they defended Jimmy. You just can't let him walk into his shots. You can't let him walk up to his spots and take a practice shot, which we should know. Hopefully that's a game one aberration. The three-point shooting is interesting, Ben, because the Heat shot about 50, what was it, 50% from three? They hit, was it 12 of 24 or 12 of 25? Doesn't really matter. They made almost half of their threes or a little bit more than half. They were eight of 14 in the first half. Yeah. From three. And here's what, here's what I want to point out. I thought the bucks defended the three point line very well yesterday. The bucks have limited attempts this year. The problem in years past with the bucks was they gave up a ton of threes. Like I went and pulled the box score game two against the heat. This is game one in the bubble. The Miami heat took 31 threes in the first game. They took 25 yesterday. 25 threes per game would be last in the NBA sizably. The, the, the fewest three-point shots taken by any team on average was Chicago. They averaged 28 attempts a game this year. So the Bucks limited attempts very well, which has been their, their new defense this year. They're running guys off the three-point line. He just hit them, right? So if the, if the Bucks limit threes, they can actually absorb a, a good heat shooting night. They would have been able to absorb yesterday if Giannis was healthy. All right. Yeah, they hit half their threes, but the Bucks only gave up 25. So 
I, I think we need to be a little bit more specific and intentional about the way in which we discuss the Bucks' three-point defense because they limited attempts very well yesterday. The problem is the Heat just made a lot of them. And I think it felt as though they made a lot of them late. Yeah, they were 8 yeah. or 14 in the first half, but especially towards the end of the game with a couple just eight-year throwbacks of Kevin Love hitting a 38-footer and then a couple of those in the corner. It just felt that they came at the wrong time. It was always when the Bucks went on a run, mm-hmm. which is hard to prove statistically. That was just the feel. That's how they that's how they they weathered the Bucks comeback there. So I don't know if it's going to continue. I just wonder what's going to be different. The Bucks could very easily win a game in which the Heat shoot 50% from 3. If they only give up 24 25 shots, which is what the Bucks have been doing all year. They then also can't give up points in transition though. Like, that killed him yesterday. Jimmy Buffett was leaking out, kind of cherry-picking a little Jimmy bit. They, did, did I say Jimmy Buffett? Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was leaking out Freudian slip. In transition a lot, they gave up fast point, fast break points. They can't do that and give up threes, right? They Like, the Bucks just did a couple of things yesterday they couldn't do. If they take care of the ball, they probably win. If Giannis simply doesn't get hurt, they probably win. They were a lot closer to winning yesterday's game than I think a lot of Bucks fans think. They played a lot better than I think a lot of people are saying. Yeah, the the stats don't lie though. Overall, sixty percent from the field for the Heat. Like yeah. they, the Bucks just couldn't find an answer on defense. Whether they were doing what they tried to do right or not, the Heat still scored at will from everywhere. I thought their rim defense was a lot more of a problem than their three point defense. Which and is, Giannis getting hurt obviously is a big part of that. Yep, yep, that's the honest factor for sure. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Your thoughts on? On the game last night, I haven't been able to check in on that much more playoff action overall. I saw the just a tremendous Saturday night. The Warriors Kings game was awesome. Kings win that one. First first playoff game, first playoff win in 18 years. I did not catch any of Knicks Cavs, but the Knicks go up 1-0 in the 4-5 series or Yes, the 4-5 yep. series. Four, five. The the Celtics took care of the Hawks. Didn't seem like they played that well, but they still won. Don't think they'll have much trouble with them. Sixers blow out the Nets. And then some of the other action from yesterday. Uh, the, the Lakers. Little LeBron James resurgence looking for his, his first real title in Did you see the, Los Angeles. the takes today that Lakers-Grizzlies, the series is over? Did you see that from Stephen no. A. Smith oh, and a goodness. couple others? It's done. Why? Because why? Because this kid Austin Reeves that I heard about three weeks ago played well. So th- there's an interesting there's an interesting dynamic here. You tell me what you think. There's two or three teams that won this weekend: the Clippers, the Lakers, the Kings, and the Heat. All won games that they probably weren't supposed to win. And I wonder if today we're like, man, upset alert for the Bucks. The Grizzlies are going to lose to the Lakers. Jaws injury is interesting. So that's maybe an, an outlier. I just wonder if a week from now we won't look back at this weekend of games and think, oh, yeah, that was that was kind of a fluke. That was kind of an outlier. You know what I mean? Well, Giannis's injury is interesting, too. I don't think Giannis's injury is as bad as Jaws. Right. Could be wrong. Jaw basically saying the pain factor is a 10 out of 10 and he can't use his wrist. That seems more significant to me than a bruised back especially the way we've seen Giannis play through injuries before. Ja gets hurt a lot. He missed the playoffs last year. I have more faith that Giannis will bounce back from his injury. 
And you had Shams today say that there's optimism about Giannis's status, which to me just says he woke up feeling good. And then they told Shams. That's what the translation would be because Mike Boonholzer said after the game, and I, I could find that comment and play it again, that it, it's a day-to-day thing. They're waiting to see how he feels when he wakes up. If you have at 11 o'clock the next day, Shams tweet out, there's optimism regarding his status. That to me says, because we already knew it wasn't anything that bad. It's just a matter of feel and pain tolerance. That to me says Giannis probably woke up feeling much better today. Probably. And if there's no like damage, like the x-rays were clean. I don't know if he's going to have an MRI. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what kind of tests they're going to run. Nope. But if it's about pain tolerance or just simply playing through it, I would bet Giannis to play through an injury more than I would bet any other player in the league. Yep, 877-867-1670. Take your calls on the Bucks series, the NBA playoffs as a whole. You also have a, a productive, a fun Brewers weekend out in San Diego. We could take your thoughts on that. Grant, I wanted to get to this. So there's some there's some NFL news that we'll touch on later. A star player wants a trade, and I want to wonder if the Packers should get involved. We'll hit that in a little bit. There is a record-breaking contract that just was given out to Jalen Hurts. We could talk about the impact of that, compare it to maybe some other quarterbacks like Jordan Love. Quarterbacks along those lines, right? You trolling? Am I hosting a show with Tyler Dunn here? I'm trolling. Pop out and be in studio. I'm trolling. Uh, But no, but there are other quarterbacks, mainly Lamar Jackson, who obviously the contract situation is at the top of the news cycle. So we'll hit on that. But I wanted to, I wanted to hit this. When we're in for Bill before the draft, I thought Uh it'd be good to just give a Packers draft thought of the day where, uh, okay, when it comes closer, when we get into next week, obviously, then it'll be probably wire to wire along with the Bucks. What are the Packers doing in the draft? What's the latest news? How do they approach it? Are there trades? Do they trade up, trade down? I just want, I'm wondering them sitting at 15 and let's say they don't get 13 for Rogers them sitting at 15. There are obviously a lot of good options of players that they could take. And a lot of guys that I, I know I would be fine with. I figure Packers fans would be fine with and or happy about. And then what you do in the second round, I think will also tell you a lot, those two picks, but there are a lot of avenues that I think would, would be smart to go down a lot of avenues that would make Packer fans excited, whether the tight ends in the first round, whether it's in the second, whether they get an edge rusher, a really great tackle. I'm wondering though, is there a name? And if so, who is it that if they are available at 10 or 11, the Packers need to trade up to get them. Now, they're in a good spot. They're not stuck with a Kirk Cousins that is making a lot of money and they're unable to get out from under. They have Jordan Love. Their quarterback situation for next year is very clear. And I don't think I would be floored if quarterback was heavily considered. I don't think it should be. So that makes it easy because usually when you're at 15 and you don't have a quarterback, you wonder, could they trade up to get one of the guys? But that's completely off the board. Are there any players out there? And I have, I have three that I okay. think if they are available at 10 or 11, the Packers need to trade up to get them. I know, I know what one would be. I'm trying to figure out what the other two would be. Go, go ahead. Cook. Well, it could be somewhat of a long shot. I, I guess this is, I, it could even, we could even get into the discussion of trading up to eight or nine. Number one, 
Jalen Carter. Oh, not what I expected, actually. I know there are questions and all the off-field stuff. I guess this is said with the assumption that he would not be selected unless a lot of due due diligence is done. And I myself am not doing said due diligence. So let's 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 pretend that variable is a given that the off-field stuff is taken care of. You just talk about the player. I would argue probably the biggest weakness on the Packers right now is their defensive line. Whether it's a depth problem, whether it's an even skill problem, it's something that I think will negatively impact the rest of the defense if it's not fully addressed this offseason, which I think it will be in the draft, but we'll see which players they get. We talk about Devontae Wyatt making a big step. I cannot imagine a better person to put next to him and then also with Kenny Clark than Jalen Carter. So he is the number one for me. Number two of a guy I would need the Packers to trade up to get, maybe wishful thinking, is Will Anderson. Oh, also didn't. Wait a minute. Why would he fall to eight or nine? I love this, by the way, a hypothetical, but I need a, I need a little... I need a little bit here. Tell me, tell me why this would happen. How could he fall? How would this come to pass? Well, we're in a weird cycle of all the quarterbacks being overly hyped up and probably to a fault where not only is it Stroud and Bryce young one and two, there's the Anthony Richardson discussion. There's a weird, a weird Hendon hooker discussion. Will Levis going on where there could be more guys that jump up there. He just feels like a guy that could fall through the cracks. And I don't think he will because I think he's he's tremendous. But I don't know. That's a more wishful thinking. And I would not trade up to like five or six to get him. I'm talking about you jump up five or, five or six spots to number nine. But he would be a guy I would say the Packers need to go up and get. And that's if he falls to, again, eight or nine. Okay. Which I guess is a slip. Where do people think he'll go now? Five, four? Dude, a lot of quarterbacks need to come off the board for Will Anderson's fall. Will, Will Anderson's your number one edge rusher in the draft. Like, the latest those people go is four, five. So we need an insane run on quarterbacks, an insane run on quarterbacks for that to happen. That's a good point. I think there are some that are getting into the uh, Tyree Wilson camp. Okay. Maybe not at that point, but the comparison of the two, like the measurables versus – crazy production. The Will Anderson thing could be a, it could just not happen, but I felt the need to throw that name in as a, as somewhat of a, of a given, but I guess the main one would be Jalen Carter. He has a clearly much higher chance of falling, but the last one and the one that feels the most realistic, I saw an ESPN draft predictor said that there's a 30% chance given all of the projections, 30% chance this guy would be there at 15 which tells you he'll probably go off in that neighborhood of the early teens. I think the Packers, if he is available, need to trade up to get Jackson Smith and Jigba. There it is. I figured that was the one you would assume. Well, yeah. I I just think the closer we get to this draft, the less we like every other wide receiver. Am I reading the room correctly in that it's JSN and everybody else? Like, there's, there's a lot of questions about a lot of these receivers, it seems, other than Jackson Smith and Jigba. Jordan Addison is small and didn't test well. Mm. Quentin Johnson is off my board. He's not on my board because of conversations that we've had. You've steered me away from him, and, and some of the <laughs> testing numbers have 
said no on him as well. I just think it's JSN and and that's it, which is weird because the last couple of drafts, a lot of talented wide receivers like Jahan Dotson went in the top 20. I don't see that happening in this draft. Well, that was also maybe a bad pick. The Saints trading he's, up to he's get pretty good for the commander. Oh, not Dotson. I'm thinking about Olave, oh, who Olave also too, but went yeah. in the teens. But yeah, I, he just feels like a perfect fit. He could play in the slot. He could play outside. He's a possession guy. He is very polished. He comes from the Ohio State wide receiver factory that just continues and continues to churn out great wide receivers. And we had this discussion when we thought, okay, would you rather get the draft picks in this year's draft or next year's draft? And we agreed this year's draft. You got to put as much talent around Jordan Love as you can in order to learn the most, not only about him, about the head coach, about the general manager. But when we speak about how do we learn the most about what Jordan Love will be long-term and give him the best chance to succeed, Jackson Smith and Jigba is that guy to me. Yeah. So you put him with put him with Christian Watson. You put him with Romeo Dobbs. And I don't think it'd be a, a big haul to have to trade up. Like in general, I'm a big fan of the of the mindset entering drafts that if a trade down is possible, you should take it because usually you get more value just because of the timeliness of it. Teams are more desperate to trade up than they would be say before the draft when they know what the, before they know what the board is. So that usually leads to teams getting more value. But if there is a guy or, or guy or two that, that you think the Packers would have to trade up for, I, I think the conversation starts at Jalen Carter probably ends at Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. And I, and I think this is a worthwhile conversation just because we have a couple years of precedent. Now that Goody is willing to trade up. Like he's gone up to get his guy more often than not. Now he's traded down too. like anytime you can trade down with the saints, you should do it. That's really good business. And the Eagles know that the Packers know that, right? So he's been willing to move up and down, but it's not like the trade ups have been an outlier. He's gone up to get his guy multiple times whether it's been uh, Jordan Love, obviously, or um, Christian Watson last year. So I think it's a worthwhile conversation to have. Who would you trade up for? I think it's a small list, but there are some names. Jalen Carter is an interesting one. I'd love to see him get into the Joe Barry school of defense. Joe Barry could really teach him how to be a professional. He really did so well with Devontae Wyatt last year. Well, we have Devondre Campbell singing praises of Joe Barry, dude, as well as other dude. things on Twitter, dude. Did they? Did at any point this morning? Did they talk about that on the morning show? I I wasn't the, in. I wasn't listening. I missed the it. lunch meat thing is wild. Yeah, and we're not. We're probably not going to touch it really. Uh, nah. But there were some praises song of Joe Barry, which actually, I mean, we we could get to that another day. The thought of. Yeah, is Joe Barry's style of defense frustrating? I would agree. I would say so. But almost every team in the NFL runs that. Everybody in Philadelphia hated Jonathan Gannon because they thought he played too soft. And all of the comparisons were made to the mid-90s Eagles defense, which is a long, long, I don't want to say lost, but it's a long past era. That's just the defense people play. The Packers, it felt like, didn't have the, sometimes, the situational success, nor maybe the personnel up front to run it to perfection. I think that's the difference. 
I know we're woefully late for break. This is the last thing I'll say. I, I know, I know that most of the league runs it. I, I do. It's, you know, the high two safeties, keep everything in front of you. I get it. But there are certain teams when you invest so much into the defense, like you should be able to play a higher level defense and a higher level scheme than the rest of the league, right? Like there are teams across the league that run that style of defense because they don't have the personnel to do anything better. I thought, and I, I, I was told by what the Packers did with their money and with their draft picks that we were aiming higher on defense and we didn't, I guess that would be my frustration with Joe Barry. I know that wasn't on the rundown today, but well, Jalen Carter is a big piece of how that gets fixed. If we're being honest now, I don't know how much it would take to trade up, but maybe I'm too optimistic about his situation off the field where if he falls, it's probably for a reason. Mm-hmm. And teams get spooked, but there are also there are countless there are moments in both directions. There are moments of player falls, teams get spooked for the right reason, and then he turns out to be a bust. There are also countless moments of player falls, Laramie Tunsil, for instance, teams get spooked, and then he turns out to be one of the best tackles in the NFL. Right. I, I almost brought that up when you said Will Anderson. I was like, well, if Will Anderson wants to leak a video of him hitting a gas mask bong <laughs> night of the draft, we could try to do that. Well. Yeah. We could try to do that. But I don't know. Will Anderson, I'm, I'm all the way in on. And if he somehow reaches, like, again, close to 15, I think the Packers have to give up a little bit to go up and get him. And Smith and Jig was that other guy. Now, the backup plan to that, I think, is also very positive. And I guess we could talk about that when we come back. Where then there there's still a bevy, like there are so many options at 15 that still work. But those are my two guys. Trade up for, I, I tried to make this rhyme earlier. Hashtag trade up for Njigba. But mm-hmm. up and ba doesn't rhyme. Which is why I'm not a writer. Eh, I guess I write. Fine. By oh. the way, I'm going to... Uh, release my draft board on Thursday. I need a couple of days to get it in order, but on Thursday I will be re- releasing my draft board. You have right to go now, to the hardware store? My board. Yeah, I need to go to the hardware store. It is going to literally be a board. I'm going to get a plank of wood, and that will be my draft board. Maybe a two-by-four. Right now I have no one on my board. I just know who's not on it. So I, I work backwards like that when I do my draft prep. We'll see if Grant can make his draft board before the Bucks fix their normal court for the playoffs. Whenever that time is. 877-867-1670. Let's do this. Let's step away. We'll come back. Uh, I, I do have some... There's a discussion going on on ESPN about the chances the Bucks lose the series. Some audio in regards to that, as well as much more. It's Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, welcome back in. Bill Michaels Show, Ben Kenny, Grant Bills here with you on this Monday. We spoke of the update on Giannis's health. Shams Charania Grant on FanDuel TV just now had this to say about where Giannis stands after yesterday. Take a listen. 
So I'm told there is optimism about his availability for game two. It's believed to be a pain tolerance issue that he's got in his lower back. And the team wanted to play it safe. He came out, he landed real hard on his back. Then he tried to come back into the game and he just felt discomfort. He didn't look like himself, couldn't even really walk like himself. So they took him to the back. X-rays were negative. I expect him to be reevaluated again today. But this is something that even if he plays in game two, I'm told this is going to be something he's going to be battling along with he's got a ligament issue in his wrist as well from what oh, I'm so great. He's got a couple of these little nagging injuries that are going to play a part potentially. But right now, Giannis, there is hope and optimism. He'll be good that he is fine moving forward. A ligament issue in the wrist as well. Was that known, Grant? Yeah, he sprained his wrist. I think it was right before the all-star break but it's something that is still affecting him yeah which like you've seen him like after a bucket or after a hard foul like he'll grab his wrist yeah he sprained it i don't remember exactly when it was it was against the bulls at some point and that's something that's been nagging i don't think it's gotten worse but we were told when it happened it's like it's going to be something that bothers him until after the season Right. Well, the back injury is the one that's being watched. I don't know. If if yesterday was game seven of the NBA finals, you think that maybe he could have come back and played, albeit not at 100%. I Interesting get it. question. I, I get it being the first. Well, I, I don't think we have an answer to it. I don't think we no. can answer that because there is a chance that he just, if you have one of those injuries and you truly can't walk, right let alone act as a nba basketball player let alone one of that size and that athleticism there could be a chance that that it is that bad but i don't know i don't yeah, have a good read on it yeah like i said earlier i think in the 10 o'clock hour it's it's not a back injury it seems that's as prohibitive as the one that's bothered ben simmons for the last couple of years mm-hmm. i think it's just probably going to be a a pain tolerance thing which sucks because Giannis plays at such a high level and I want to see him play completely unencumbered and, and pain free. But this time of year, everyone's dealing with something. The playoffs take like two months. So this happens to just about every team at some point. It just sucks that it happened in the first quarter of the first game and to the Bucks' best player. And the heat will be without Mr. Tyler hero. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, again, I think they can, they can beat the heat with or without Giannis. They should be able to. I don't want to get into the discussion of them actually not doing that because that would be alarming. And the path for them, again, is set up so well. It's set up as well as it possibly could be set up. You have a average heat team, a a little bit above average, if you want to count what they do in the playoffs. And then you play the winner of the Knicks and the Cavs. I don't think anybody in the world buys into the Knicks or the Cavs. Well, I think for what those teams are, they're very good. They're just not in the class of the the three elite teams in the East, Boston, Philly, and Milwaukee. The dream is that the Cavs and the Knicks beat the pulp out of each other for six or seven games. And based on the way they play, I think that's probably pretty likely. And then the Bucks can wrap up this Heat series, even with Giannis missing who knows how much time, you know, five, six games, get a little bit of rest, and then go into that second round and play a really beat-up Knicks or Cavs team that would be ideal. And you talk about the path. That would be a great path. They're kind of regular season fighters, the Cavs and the Knicks. Yeah. They're not. I think the, I think the Knicks more so than the Cavs. I think the Cavs are really good, man. 
I just don't think they're quite there yet. Mobley needs another year or two to to continue to grow and add to his game. The Knicks with Tibbs are a little try-hardish, I think. Yeah. Well, it's Tibbs. And then they also decided to reassemble the Villanova 2017 national title team. There are worse strategies. You know what I mean? Go for like winners. Team- yeah. Hundred percent. The Bucks haven't won a title since they traded DiVincenzo. <laughs> if you really want to go down that route, but he, wow. he was hurt for that run, right? Yeah, but just his presence—like he'd just been in in big games and in and in under the bright lights. Yep. You can't you can't count out Jay Wright's impact, even on a player that's injured and sitting on the bench. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. You want to ta- you want to chime in on the Bucks? That's how you do it. I mentioned this at the top of the noon hour grant. A a star in the NFL wants a trade. And I wonder if the Packers should throw their hat in the ring. The star is Cardinal Safety Buda Baker, who is making sixteen point eight mil in twenty twenty three, eighteen mil next year, and reportedly wants to be the highest paid safety in the NFL. Which would lead you down the road of Okay, no chance. That's not happening. However, uh, Stephen A. Smith voice. However. However. But. <laughs> what is he? There, there's a great meme that gets thrown around all the time. It's like. However. While I do. And then a bunch of very nice things. However. Yeah. <laughs> um, like this could be a. Like they have a hold safety. In theory, it could be one where they know they're going to trade for him. And the report that just came out is that it's only a second-round pick. They could know that they're going to trade for him and not give him the contract and have him for two years, which it doesn't make all the sense in the world. I'm just throwing it out there as a way to plug the hole at safety. Does this trade Does this trade do it for you? Was Buda Baker going to play on this deal for the next two years? He's seemingly wanting out to go to a team that will pay him a lot of money. So I don't know why his desire to play under this contract would change temperatures if he gets to the Packers. No, no. I I think two years ago, as we're coming to the end of the Aaron Rodgers era and we got a couple more runs left in in the team, sure. This year, I don't don't think so. I wouldn't use a second-round pick in the draft on a safety. I I don't know that I want to go and trade for one that's immediately going to cost me money or be unhappy about his contract. I love Buda Baker, but Buda Baker and the Cardinals as a whole, a great example of why targeting non-premium positions in the draft can be problematic, right? When you draft a safety and then two off-ball linebackers like Xavier Collins and Isaiah Simmons, it's like you don't want to pay those guys. You don't want to pay those positions. You want to pay your tackles and your edge rushers and your wide receivers, which is why you draft those guys high instead of you know, off-ball linebackers, of course, which I say about the Packers, they just drafted an off-ball linebacker. And when your head coach has not had an above 500 record at any level, who had never had a winning season with Patrick Mahomes in college. Yeah. There were a lot of missteps made by that organization. He's off to tutor Caleb Williams now for a year. What do you think about that, by the way? I don't know if we ever discussed that. The rich get richer in the college coaching world. When you are an established person, we'll say, in Lincoln Riley, and this is Cliff Kingsbury, offensive analyst with the USC Trojans now. When you're, it's not an established program or reestablished because Lincoln Riley just got there. But when you are, like, I, I saw this stat. Did you know that Lincoln Riley 
and Cliff Kingsbury have coached four of the last nine Heisman winners in college. And and two of those were not Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, who they also coached. So Kyler Murray would be one, right? Baker. Baker at Oklahoma. Who am I missing? Who else? I'm going to go find the exact stat. Caleb Williams. Oh, yeah, obviously. And I'm not sure. I'll go find the, the exact list again. But it, it's a it's a true rich get richer scenario. Cliff Kingsbury fails in the NFL. What does he do? Oh, let me just go to an absolute quarterback factory. And I have a pretty darn good track record of coaching offense and quarterbacks. Yeah. And it'll, A, help me get another job. But B, I will provide a lot of value there as well. It's just what a what a crummy gig. You just go live in LA, couple minutes from the beach, come into the office, not really be in charge of anything like a coordinator or or even an assistant coach or certainly not a head coach. I just get to be a you know an analyst. I just get to throw my my input into the ring and hang around on game days. You just live in LA. It's not bad for Cliff Kingsbury. Way better than his previous. I mean being a head coach in the NFL, obviously, but that situation stunk for a million different reasons. Yeah. And he was out in, where was he? When he said, Thailand? He, yeah, he bought a one-way ticket to Thailand. <laughs> yeah, here it is. Uh, Lincoln Riley and Cliff Kingsbury have combined to coach four of the last nine Heisman winners. That does not include Hertz and Mahomes. So it would be Kyler Baker, Caleb Williams, and Johnny Manziel. Maybe. Oh, I don't know the other, but it is showing that if you were a quarterback and you play for Lincoln Riley and or Cliff Kingsbury, you're probably going to have success. So there's Tends a, to work out. Yeah. So there's your, there's your segue on Cliff Kingsbury and USC, who, by the way, if USC just somehow assembles an all-time defense as soon as they get to the Big Ten next year, not, not this coming year, the year after, that's going to be like the origin story of – uh, everybody becoming the Joker in the state of Iowa, Minnesota, yep. Wisconsin, or even Wisconsin. It's like, okay, we're going to get a USC offense and pair it with our great defense. USC comes to the Big Ten. They're like, oh, wait, we're supposed to play defense in this con in this uh, conference. Oh, let yeah. me just go get former five stars from Georgia. I'm frightened about them just in general going forward. I'm just hoping that it goes the other way, that the, the pretty boy Pac-12 USC Trojans step into the Big Ten West and immediately have a rude awakening. That, in my opinion, would be much better for the brand of college football, but I don't see it happening. Rude awakening and and Big Ten West are never (laughs) said in the same sentence. Unless you are waking up to watch the Big Ten West, then you are in for a rude awakening. Very true. Not to mention it probably won't exist in two years. All right, 877-867-1670. I see you on hold. We will get to the calls when we come back. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Michael's show, Ben Kenny, Grant Bills hanging out with you today. 877 867 1670. 
That is how you join the program. Grant, I think I, I, I think I might need to go visit the same back doctor. I mean, whatever they did to Giannis when he went to the locker room, I, I'm slowly morphing into that exact state. I don't know what it is today. Something's messed up. Not that everybody cares. Okay. But I thought the people should know. The uh, back problems are back. Don't walk 36 to 54 holes of golf. And then. Oh, your back problems are back. Sit in a chair. Oh, yes, very much so. 8 7. Is today's show just a pain tolerance thing? I think so. Okay. That's what I'll frame it as. Or all the errands. No, the show's not. I think the errands I have to run after the show are very pain tolerance based. But I'll get it done. Okay. We'll fix it. We're working on it. I, I would consider myself probable for tomorrow's show, depending on the situation. Um, just but just enough of an injury, like in the NFL, where they have to put me on the report. Like full participant, but he does have something. I have a back. It's a logistical matter. Just Which, you gotta put it on there, avoid a fine. I see. I love I love sports injury lingo. I love the words they use to describe it. Oh, yeah, he has a knee. It's like, yeah, I have, I have two knees. And he has a knee. both of them are, are not in great shape. 877-867-1670. Let's go back to the phones. Our buddy Doug's in Luxembourg. Doug, what's up? Hey, guys. A uh, little Bucks talk. Yeah, what did you think um, last night? I'm concerned. Without Giannis... They had no answer for Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo. I don't know what Brooke Lopez was doing, standing there down by the circle area under the basket and just letting them shoot 12-foot jump shots all day. Right. You know, well, are you, concerned, are, are you concerned that Giannis will miss extended time and they can't weather the storm without him? Or are you concerned that even with Giannis, it could be close? Uh, I think it's going to be close even with Giannis. I think without Giannis, it's impossible. You know, uh, I think uh, Miami is just totally more mentally prepared than the Bucks. Coaching player-wise, silly falls on Bobby Portis in the fourth quarter. Bobby Portis had a hell of a game, but he where was he in the fourth quarter? Nothing. Uh, Chris Middleton, great game, but really costly turnovers, throwing the ball away stuff like that, you know, and even with Giannis coming into the game, just flying in the lane out of control, picking up offensive fouls right off the bat. What do you expect? You know, play with some control and with some brains. You can't just throw games away in the series and expect to win it. They lose one more game. They're done. That's where I look at. Oh, it. You think it's a must win coming up on Wednesday? Yes. All right. And then they got to win a game. They got to, they got to win a game in Miami. Right. Well, here's the thing, at least you know, the way I see it. It's like they're playing the eight seed heat. If if this was the Celtics that just happened against, I would probably feel that way. But I'm more of a, I, I'm less of a believer in the quality of the heat and more of a believer in that game was probably an anomaly performance from them. While it's like, it, it's not good. That game wasn't good. The Bucks didn't play well, but I have more faith that they can come back and, and respond and answer like they most most of the time when they lose these games they come back with a better performance in game two and game three and game four i i'll agree with that but i i just don't like the way they don't handle their business right off the bat you know i don't it seems like every year they had no business 
uh, even having Miami close in that game yesterday. And yeah. here, you go, here it goes, you know. Yeah, it does feel like every year, and and appreciate the phone call, Doug. Thanks. It's uh, they don't handle the business in game ones, Grant. But if the Heat are going to go and have their best shooting performance in everybody's lives, at least it all happened at the same time. At least it was a a chorus of worst case scenarios that yeah. led to a a loss in game one of the first round of the playoffs, which does not mean that the season's over. I just. I just think we're going a little overboard about how they, you guys act like they came out with their pajamas on into this game. Well, they were down eight points in the first quarter is the NBA make up eight points in a matter of 35 seconds. So I, I don't know. It's easy to watch the entire game after Giannis got hurt and after Miami had a great shooting night from three. It's easy to watch all that and then turn around and say they didn't come out ready to play. Well, they hadn't played in a week and a half. They've been, they've been off. They probably weren't going to come out strong. I, I don't know. I, it seems like we're going a little bit overboard. They win that game if Giannis plays four quarters. Giannis doesn't even have to play well. If Giannis plays four quarters, they win that game. Some are wondering if it was just another preseason game. If you want to go that route. It had it had shades of Packers at Saints in Jacksonville from two years ago. <sighs> Maybe that's why people are so frustrated. Because we're taking our Packers frustrations. I think that's part of it. I woke up this morning and it felt like the morning after a Packers playoff loss. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, that and because, yesterday. Grant, it also, it's because the season was weird. Like, the Bucks this were really season? good. They were the one, they're, they're a great team. They got the one seed. They're the best team in basketball. But it also yeah. was a season with, with injuries where, where they're playing without guys. It just, it, it felt like kind of a weird, a weird seed. It, it felt like they should just roll over the eight seed. So for that to happen off the bat. I could see where people come from. I'm just not all the way there. I I feel like in two weeks, we are going to look back at the series and think they did roll over the eight seed, despite what happened in the first game in which the best player in the world got hurt. You know what I mean? It's a good point. Bucks in five, still? I remember, I'll say this really quickly. I remember in the bubble two years ago when they lost the Magic in game one, <laughs> and I had our friend Bucks Film Room on the show. And I said, his name's Brian. I said, Brian, not good. And he's like, I would bet anything that it's Bucks in five. And then they went on to win four games in a row. I don't know that it's going to be as easy as it was against the Magic. But I feel like even if Giannis misses Wednesday's game, the most likely outcome of this series is Bucks in five. Here's this stat for you as we enter break. J.R. Radcliffe on, on Twitter. Love J.R. From the Journal Sentinel tweeted, the Bucks have lost more playoff series under Mike Boonholzer. Two, where they have won the first game than they've lost when they have lost the first game. If that makes sense. So, so more when they've lost game one, they've gone on to win that series more often than they've gone on to lose it. That's what you're saying. When they've when they've lost game one. They've gone on to win more series than when they've won game one. Ah, oh, oh, I got it. I think. Well, yeah, they win a, they win a ton of playoff series. They win a lot of games. Like you mentioned their record in game ones is what, like five and seven. I think their record in all other games is like 35 and 15. Like they're, they're a really good team. They win a lot of games. Yep. Wednesday's the bounce back game. Wednesday's the must look better, must do everything better game.
Not a I'm must win. In sick on Thursday. In my maybe. eyes. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. We'll step away. A lot more to come. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We're back. Bill Michaels show. Ben Kenny Grant Bills coming up on the top of the hour here. When we come back, Grant, a contract was given out today. I want to talk about it, not to make a joke about what the contract could mean about a certain Packers quarterback that may or may not get a new one in a couple years. Yeah, but it's significant. We have a new uh, highest. I also have comments about this contract. Highest paid player in NFL history. A new one. And has to do with other quarterback contracts as well. We'll talk about that when we come back. Take your calls on the Bucks as well. Get reaction from the game from the Brewers weekend. A lot more to come. That's Grant Bills. I'm Ben Kenny in for Bill Michaels.